Hello, and welcome to Higher Voltage. Our podcast explores the ins and outs of higher education marketing and touches on all aspects of the business of higher education. My name is Heather Dotchell. I'm a Philadelphia-based marketing and communications professional who most recently led the Marcom division at two area colleges. Today, we are speaking with Joe Master, Assistant Vice President for Marketing and Digital Strategy, and Craig Campus, Associate Vice President for Communications and Marketing at Drexel University. We are speaking to them about Drexel's brilliant and lasting campaign, Ambition Can't Wait. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Can you give our listeners a snapshot of yourself? Craig, why don't you start? Uh, sure. Hi, uh, everyone. My name's Craig Campus. Uh, I've been working at Drexel University for uh, a little over a decade now. Um, previously, my experience before then was with advertising agencies, both small shops to uh, large uh, global agencies in, in New York. And uh, I took the job at Drexel thinking that this would be my uh, my standby until I found a new agency job in Philadelphia. And again, a decade later, I'm here working with Joe. So, uh, but it's been a, a very good decision. And uh, not just that, it's been a it's been a, a blessing to kind of work on a project like this, like Ambition Can't Wait, which we're gonna talk about today. And uh, I couldn't be more excited. Thank you. Hi, Heather. Hi, long Joe. Time li- long time listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> it's great to be here. So uh, my name is Joe Master. Um, I uh, come from the writing side. I was uh, in publishing, I wrote rock and roll reviews, restaurant reviews, and uh, Found my way into higher ed around a decade ago, and uh, uh, I guess I'm a lifer now. Um, and working on this campaign with Craig and the the teams that we represent has been the highlight of my career for sure. Excellent. Well, before we get into the episode, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you that Higher Voltage is brought to you by Salesforce. Today's higher ed marketers are faced with new challenges and must expand beyond their traditional tactics to engage with constituents. Learn how Salesforce empowers institutions of all sizes to unify first-party data, build and measure targeted campaigns, and deliver personalized messaging across channels. Visit salesforce.org to learn more about how Salesforce can help your institution meet its goals. Okay, so rather than start at the chronological beginning of the campaign, and we'll get to that, tell me more about the commercial you shot last week. Craig, why don't you start? Uh, sure. Um, so. One thing we were trying to do with the campaign is we we were trying to tell specific and detailed student stories at Drexel University. When we first went out with the campaign, we went with a big, large philosophical approach about what Ambition Can't Wait meant. And now we're telling the, the detailed stories, the, the proof of the messages that we're providing. And uh, yeah, the last week we actually shot two commercials, uh, truth be told, back to back, which was a bit of a challenging experience in this wonderful world of COVID and social distancing. But uh you know, we had a great team and we worked with a great director and we were able to to, uh, to pull it off. And uh, we've already seen some of the first cuts and we're, we're really excited about uh, about sharing it. Oh, that's a really nice turnaround. Uh, Joe, how was it for you over the, the slog of two commercials back to back? I have to admit, I didn't think it was going to happen. We had originally planned to, um, all in all, during COVID, we'll, we will have filmed three commercials. Um, we started planning these commercials last spring, right around when COVID hit. So, you know, to be there um, on campus watching the crew and our teams wearing our masks, doing everything according to COVID code, I had a, I definitely had a moment where I was like, this is incredible. And as marketers, we always have those moments whenever we're doing something creative that we like came up with. But it, distinctively this time around, it was, it was pretty special. It was so hard. You had to do, you know, the day before COVID testing when your fingers are crossed. Cause if anybody was to test positive for COVID, there would be no commercial. So it felt like the stars aligned. Those things happen sometimes. And, and I think there was such a fear too, in terms of what the final product was going to look like, because we, we just had, I think we learned the lesson of compromise, especially when you have a, a, a commercial like this and, and what you're trying to get across and, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just very grateful for the team that we worked with and everyone just being flexible to try to make it happen and, and doing it in a safe and, and responsible way. The few behind the scenes photos I saw uh, looked really interesting and and made me quite nostalgic to, to get back into those sets and, and build some of that that myself. That that aspect of our job has been pretty quiet. You know, um, something, Heather, Heather, here's something that I was thinking about. Just getting on campus. I had another moment driving in. I was like, oh my, yeah, this is the brand. Like, this is it. Like seeing the Drexel flags on, on Market Street and pull, 
walking in the main building, like when you're working remotely for so long, it's not that you forget, you don't identify as much that, oh my God, this is a big deal. It's Drexel, but seeing how big it, it is, it, mm -hmm. it, it made it a little bit more meaningful. Okay. So ambition can't wait. Let's rewind then. We've talked a little bit about the commercial and go back to the beginning. Uh, can you give us a general overview of what ambition can't wait is? Joe, you want to pick this up? Okay. So uh, ambition can't wait is not an enrollment campaign was never meant to be. And if we have our druthers, it never will be. Um, it is a reputational elevation campaign. It is about awareness. It's not about butts and seats now as much as it's about um, moving the needle forward for later on. So it is to get people to know who we are and what makes us special, what our differentiator is so that maybe perhaps down the road, we could then have a message that has to do with enrollment, but that's not the point now. So why why did you pick that then over a sheer numbers game? Craig, you're ensconced or embedded in the admissions unit. So why why brand elevation over numbers, especially right now? Um, so that's a great question. And I think it really starts with... Uh, you know, again, the, the very beginning, as, as you had mentioned, like, why are we doing this? What's the why? Um, uh, I feel like at Drexel, like most universities, have a pretty solid uh, direct marketing campaign where we're reaching for admissions in particular in terms of converting students and getting them interested in Drexel and bringing in leads and, and getting them to apply to, to uh, university. Um, but I think over the years, as we looked at Drexel, um, well, for, for many, many years, we were considered, you know, we, we are very famous. We're a proper education school. And uh, we're known for for co-op. Well, that's a, a, a the number one reason that that students really kind of uh, fall in love with Drexel is, is our is our educational model. Uh, it, it came to a point where that's all we truly talked about was Drexel and co-op, Drexel and co-op. And I think we we lost a little something with that over. And I'm talking hundreds of years, hundreds of years or so, right? And also, you know, we have a, a very strong background in engineering, which is which is great. And we still have a wonderful engineering school, and we're producing wonderful students and graduates but but i think the campaign itself is really more about positioning drugs and raising that that brand that brand elevation that joe mentioned in terms of making sure that we're being seen as a comprehensive research um university but also as a leader in experiential education um we're not just the co-op school and i think that's the part that's missing for from a from a brand perspective and awareness perspective uh yes we have our direct marketing campaigns reaching to students but we want to make sure that you know, the public knows who we are and what Drexel is across really multiple audiences. And that's where we look to influencers uh, in this campaign to say, okay, what exactly is, is Drexel trying to do and, and who are they? But also in addition is that, uh, you know, we are very aware of the enrollment challenges uh, that's coming in the near future, uh, particularly in, on the East Coast and the Northeast with the changing demographics that are happening in population. So it's important for us to, while we, we believe that we have a, a strong national reach and, and a global reach, um, as we continue to move forward and expand our, 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 our targeting markets, we have to make sure that, that we're getting a good impression of who Drexel is before we start to really look from an enrollment perspective and admissions perspective and who we're talking to. And we believe this campaign is positioning us correctly. So when, as we have our, our uh, admissions officers traveling around the country and, and our direct marketing plans activated, that, that people have a sense of who we are and what, and what we're about. We've talked about how this is a brand elevation campaign and not um, enrollment numbers campaign. What is the audience that, that you're hoping to reach? Well, we're targeting your IP address right now. Tell me if you got the ad I just sent you. <laughs> I'm sure I oh. have. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not targeting students. We're not targeting teenagers. Our target audiences are people aged 35 to 64 in our target markets, uh, Philadelphia, DC, Long Island, Westchester, Central Jersey, median household income of 150,000 or more. And then specifically, contextually, high school guidance counselors, teachers, C-suite executives. And then we actually are digitally um, targeting Drexel alums. So um, very different than your enrollment campaign. So because that's our target, we're aligning our, our media mix with the places that index high with that target audience. So that's why we've made a point to be on NPR, 
morning edition, all things considered, marketplace, to be in New York Times Sunday magazine, to be on those television stations that people are watching for their news. And then, for instance, with our display advertising, we want specifically to contextually target people who are reading news items that have to do with the subject of the advertisement. So by that, what I mean is that it's really important to us that, for instance, our fashion ad, because style can't wait, which really highlights our wonderful fashion program, is going to show up on fashion-related content on the internet. And also we'll have a insertion, uh, a print insertion during fashion week this year. And the end game for that is what? Awareness. I think when we look at the, uh, the people who we are targeting, um, you know, we're, we call it an influencer campaign because I think the message that we're trying to get across again is the, uh, is, is what, how we're, the, the direction is prepared for a changing world. And we have a unique model. And again, that's, that's that's that that's built a unique academic model that that's built for what the future can is, is going to throw at us. So we want to make sure that the influencers who are you know who are reaching students and talking about students are also sharing that message in terms of a sense of 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 an agreement with our approach. And we look at some of the world leaders that are out there today. We're we're talking about how we're preparing the next generation of leadership to go out in the world and and make a difference. We want to make sure those world leaders of today are. Uh, are well informed about the work that we are doing here and the assets that we have in our in a, in a workforce that's ready for them to come from Drexel University. And I think that's the uh, the influencer part too that that's really helpful to us. We want the people who are listening to NBR, reading you know publications like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, and you know and watching you know uh, uh, news programming because they are in tune with what a changing world is, and that's where we have our media, and that's where we have our message that we are producing again. Uh, students who are well prepared, ready, and, and able to not make a difference also uh, in the future, but also right now with co-op too, they're doing it as we speak with experiential education. So I think that's a it's a it's a pretty strong message, and I think that's the uh, the approach that we're trying to take, especially as we enter new markets and try to in- reintroduce or introduce Drexel to them. So how long has Ambition Can't Wait been live? Uh, when did it or- originate? Where did it originate? I was at Temple at the time. It launched in 2016. I remember catching up with Craig like the month that it launched at the AMA conference that year and him asking me if I saw the ads in the airport, and I did. So I think, Craig, you could probably speak to the genesis of the campaign. Sure, yeah. So um, once it was decided that we were going to develop a, a, a new branding campaign or a brand awareness campaign, um, we, my team, as well as a few other teams got together and we worked with, um, Ogilvy in New York to, to develop what would be essentially ambition can't wait. And, uh, you know, we did the typical, you know, agency process. We, we met with them, we did surveys, we did our research, um, and, uh, they provided a few concepts to us. And the one that was chosen, uh, essentially was ambition can't wait what they wrote. And we felt that that felt like what Drexel was all about. Ambition is kind of a wonky word. I mean, there's a, uh, so we're, we're very careful about that. As you know, with the word ambition, you know, it can be, uh, you know, Darth Vader is ambitious, <laughs> right? Um, uh, uh, you know, Scar from, from the Lion King was ambitious, right? But we believe that our students at Draxall are, are really driven and smart. And and for them to take advantage of this model in which we have is that, that, that embraces them. We, we look at them and we want to make sure that we were, we, we were, when we saw that campaign and that idea, we wanted to make sure that we we, we really took that word and, and kind of owned it. Um, and they came with a really bold and vivid art design approach, which was these really dramatic images of, of students and uh, uh, just in these really vivid uh, design uh, layouts that were uh, really, really eye-catching. And, and when we went live with that campaign, uh, people thought it was it raised eyebrows. Number one, that Drexel was advertising, number one, because you know, not many schools do advertise and we haven't in years. Um, and it was very vivid. And again, I don't have an example for you, but um, I, I, it was, I think what happened was with the campaign, once it started to run, um, we, we had it for about a year or two, but we realized it didn't really have necessarily a strong detailed message, except for the fact that it was just bold. And it spoke to that giant ambition, can't wait message. So uh, when Joe came on board about two years after we started to run, we said, okay, let's sit down and relook at this again. And, um, we have evolved the campaign to, to what it is more so now, which is really um, telling stories 
based upon our founders' uh, philosophy in terms of uh, what Druxel is about, in terms of essentially Druxel preparing students for a changing world. It's certainly one of those campaigns I remember seeing it as it gained visibility in the in the Philadelphia market and going, oh, that's so good. Damn it. <laughs> Which I think might be the highest compliment you can give to your colleagues when you're immediately impressed by it and then you're just kind of mad that it's not yours. I mean, we were, I was at Drexel the first time around when Temple Made launched and we were all like, damn it. We were like that is an incredible campaign. We're all watching, aren't we? We're all looking at each other. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so this originated within the enrollment division. Does enrollment still own it? Is it a shared vehicle? Um, does the campus embrace it? How has that evolved? Oh, that's a lot of questions there. I can, I'll take a stab at, at, the, at the, the first question. Um, this is a, a complete collaboration between, so we are a centrally decentralized university. So we have 14, 15 colleges and schools that all have their own marketing comms teams. And then we've got some central marketing comms teams, Craig's shop, which is enrollment management student success the shop I work for, which is university communications. Then there's a whole other central marketing team for advancement. Uh, Craig's team and my team have are jointly running this um, from the creative, the execution down to uh, the media planning. We do have an agency that we work with to the plan that the media, a great partner, Love Lane here in Philadelphia. Um, so it's a complete collaboration, which is, you know, in higher ed, I would say, it's it can be tough with all the silos on our teams to to make these things work because you know my my division's role is to be the keeper of the brand so and and Craig's doing marketing efforts to attract and retain students um, a lot of times those two things can clash they don't here we're completely aligned and it, it's taken some really good people getting together and we made an org chart for the ambition can't wait team. Um, that's what people ask me the most when I see them or when I used to see them at conferences. It was, how did you guys do this yourselves? And a lot of work and um, really believing in the vision. Yeah, just to jump on what, what Joe was saying, and I know you had mentioned about, um, you know, how does the university embrace it and what do we do about that? But before, I, I would say that, you know, Joe's team and my team, uh, and I think the experiences of really all the members on the team really complement each other very well. And I think we have a variety of different specialties that kind of really come together to form you know, one team. And I think because we all believe in the vision of this campaign, it, it, it hasn't been difficult at all. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been very clear to, to set down our, our priorities and make sure what our value proposition is clear. And uh, that's been really a guiding principle to make sure that we all stay on, on target. So there hasn't been a lot of changes. Yes, of course, we're always screaming at each other to say what we think is the best creative uh, and what's the best message, but it's uh, it's all been in good fun. And I think that's been the, the, the beauty of this campaign. You had talked about, uh, again, the uh, how does the school uh, get behind it? And I think getting people to, to buy into this idea was really important for us. And, and I'm sure Joe will share this too, but we made sure once we had the idea down how we we're going to evolve the campaign to what it is now that we presented this campaign and this idea to literally everybody at the university. You know, we're very grateful to our uh, our leadership for letting us take take the reins here. And of course, we, we shared that with them, what we wanted to do, but then we shared it with faculty, with staff, with students, with um, the people who run the, the coffee machines downstairs in the basements. You know what I mean? Like anybody who would listen to us, we were sharing this campaign with because we wanted to make sure that everyone understood the why, what we're trying to do and what the purpose of the campaign was. And what was helpful was it originated from our founder, uh, he has, a, he has a famous quote, uh, A.J. Drexel, or Anthony J. Drexel, that said, uh, I know the world is going to change, and therefore the university must change with it. So when Joe and I saw that, we were like, you know, that's the hook, and that's the, that's, that's the place where it should be, because there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of people could say that it wasn't on brand because it was the founder's idea. And I think what we're doing is we're just trying to make this concept come to life of the fact that, yeah, we are a university who can change as the world changes. And, and therefore, when people saw that and heard that, um, it, it was easy to get that buy-in. So people people believe in it and they're excited about it. Yeah, that quote, Heather, has such a big deal. It's it's on so many walls at Drexel and a, any Drexel employee, faculty and staff, students have seen that quote and know it. And 
it really means something. Um, it's it's not just co-op. It's it's that our founder really didn't want to tie down the school in the charter to go any one way. He wanted to make sure that the school could could stay attuned and aligned with industry. Um, so you know, a lot of universities have traditions. You know, we don't have a kissing rock. You know. Our tradition, quite literally, is change, um, and our oral history is co-op. Our folklore is innovation, um, and that's where we get to the ambition. It's kind of it's kind of packed in the charter. Excellent. So you're talking about how your teams are very aligned to do this, um, to keep it moving forward, to evolve it, uh, to execute the campaign. Who else is involved? Do you get randomly pitched by members of the community each day? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say uh, the best example is when memes start showing up. <laughs> students students are making memes about ambition. Drexel students love using the word ambition. But yeah, people do come and say, hey, this would be a great ad. It happens on a weekly basis. Um, so then it's our job really to mine those stories and find the way forward with new creatives. So it, it's a lot of fun. It's It's good to be at a point where people are coming to us rather than than us needing to go uncover, you know, stories on our own. Oh, this is the dream. (laughs) One thing I think it's really um, that we're excited about the design of the campaign is, again, and I know I keep repeating this, but we talk about um, the campaign speaks about a changing university for a changing world. And if you're familiar with the campaign, um, one of the sub headlines is that, that we put a lot on our, on our communications is because ambition can't wait. And that idea shifts a lot. So it's because whatever's important in the world, then what we believe is important in the world should never wait. So what we do is we shift that line because ambition can't wait to a variety of things, because courage can't wait, because innovation can't wait, because technology can't wait, because the holidays can't wait. Like that concept had lots of legs. And what it does is it gives us the ability to shift the campaign and the imagery to what we're trying to say to really any part of the university. Because health can't wait, because um, uh, uh, because style can't wait when we think about our, our media arts and design group, because creativity can't wait. So that in itself has given the university like a like a badge. It's not just about ambition can't wait, but it's they get full representation about who we are and what we're trying to do at the university as one. And that's been when you ask about people who have been able to pitch ads to us and, and Joe talks about memes. And that's kind of like the point is that people feel a part of it because they have their own what we call because line. Uh, and that's been, I think, um, the best part when you talk about getting people excited and buy-in is because they can kind of own a piece of it. Which is excellent. And the flexibility is, you know, obviously going to bring a huge genesis of ideas forward when you're all screaming at each other in the rooms, as you referenced earlier, with your pitch. So when you have this breadth to work it on, um, and you almost have so many choices that that it's hard to pick. How do you figure out what to focus on? What are the guiding principles that says we have these five new becauses that we're we're talking about, but we really need to only focus on one or two? How how do you narrow that? What guides you to pick the one or two messages out of the larger pool? All right, I'll take a stab at this one first. And Craig, you 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 pick up where I fail, right? Um, so. We will. We always make sure to exhaust all possibilities when it comes to finding stories to tell, and that happens when the campaign's on in flight and and in downtimes as well. We're always searching out new stories, and the 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 real important here is that we, as part of our strategy, the media is part of the strategy here. So we we want to align our creative with key moments, marquee times, dates through the calendar year when certain issues and things going on in the world are part of that national conversation. Think about Autism Awareness Month, Election Day, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, all these times during the year that, you know, for instance, social media managers have a content calendar for. We have the same with our media. So for instance, we have a voting ad. We wanted to make sure that that was 100% volume on Election Day. In, in all markets. Um, same thing, we'll have an Autism Awareness Month ad. So the, matching the, the uh, media with the medium is really important. And then 
if you take it a step further, like when our commercial runs, we want to be on those places where people are consuming news. So when we come to television, we're on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, CNBC, and our local 3, 6, and 10 in prime time. And we want to be on NPR. We want to be where people are getting the news of the day with our message. Yeah. So and Joe really outlined, uh, I think, uh, uh, our media strategy, which I think is part of this campaign is is also really a has been something we've been really looking at as like a feather in our cap for because we have a really a really creative media strategy that Joe just outlined by allow by aligning our media to to big moments in calendar and, and the calendar within itself in terms of holidays and, and important moments in time. But also our creative strategy, which is I think equally is, is interesting in the sense that if we're defining we believe that at Drexel, like our educational model, particularly co-op and the balance of academics and spiritual education is really a model for the future and for the future of a changing world. So everything that we do when we with this campaign really focuses on how Drexel is going to prepare their students for a changing world. What's to come? What's the future of work? So we have a, a really significant rule when we start to look at because lines or, or imagery that it must reflect something that's changing in the world. Uh, it can't necessarily just be something that's status quo. We needed that it's something that reflects something that 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 can tell a story with an image. For example, like a polar bear uh, grasping onto an iceberg. We know it's about climate change and what Drex was doing to 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 support that. Or uh, another campaign that deals with um, the advancement in in biomedical materials. And we may have a runner who's running with a prosthetic leg. Um, we're very clear that when someone can see these new and arresting images, that they really speak to that changing world and how Drexel can support that. So that's always a rule for us when we look at an ad. We say, does this reflect that? The, uh, and one thing for our commercial, for example, a quick story I'll just tell is that one of our new commercials is going to feature a Drexel student who was um, a photography major. And, uh, you know, during she had a photography project, you know, for being a photography major that she had to she had to design. And, and during COVID, and during the method of social distancing, she wasn't, how could you do that? How can you art direct a, a shot that included people and art direction and, and materials when she was stuck at home? But she used the power of, of, of Zoom and FaceTime and her friends in different areas and crafted an image that was actually about the feeling of COVID. Uh, their students actually designed an area of them sitting together with masks and, 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 and celebrating 2020 as being this year of COVID. And she did it all remotely. And that shot was celebrated that it actually found its way on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, and that's an amazing thing. And that's when we look at ambition, uh, being able to, uh, to affect change and, and to, 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 to work through these obstacles of a changing world. And I think that was a, a really good example. Of it. And I think you might, you'll see some of that with our campaign as we move forward. Yeah, actually, let's dig a little bit more into that, because I, I remember when that was on time, um, and I know that, that you've been um, working on the commercial that's related to that, and, and Ambition Can't Wait is a fantastic piece of text. It's, it's really evocative, but what is just as evocative in what you're doing is your imagery. Um, you mentioned the one with the runner with prosthetic legs. To me, that's the one I always think of um, when I think about ambition can't wait. I remember seeing that and there was just something about that image that really resonated. And I think about it periodically, <laughs> um, I, I have to say. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process that you go through to select those images? Because they really, they, they arrest the eye. They allow you to take in ambition, can't wait, and, and whatever your because line or, or how you're tying that in. And then that makes you want to go in and seek out the further content that's there. So let's talk a little bit about the, the importance of the images and, and how you get there, if you don't mind. <laughs> this selection of those images, man, Heather, it can be like Thunderdome. We get heated. Um, so I'll give – how about I'll give my answer – First, uh, I, I kind of look at it, I will always equate things to Beatles, okay? I'm a Beatles fanatic. I kind of I look at it as your, uh, your A-sides and your B-sides. And I, I think that we go into each year trying to seek out those stories that we're going to actually photograph on our own. 
those are, are the ones that are, are a little easier almost because they can be art directed. We can be there and make sure things are working, although COVID kind of got in the way of that this year. And then there's the concepts. We'll say we want to address this issue. Um, Craig tells a great story, which, Craig, you got to tell in a minute, about going to uh, a biomed, a school of biomed event and having them talk about what they do. And that was the genesis of that one ad that you saw. But we, we will take a, a concept, you know, something like a, a runner with a prosthetic leg. And then we will actually, both my team and Craig's team will go out and try to find that image, high-end uh, stock sometimes. So there's a mix of the photo shoot images that we know that there's a story behind them, that there's an actual person who we know. And then there's the, the idea of the concepts like that. Craig, you got to tell that story. <laughs> so don't build it too much. I, I but uh, but Joe's right, and I think um, we believe when we first went the campaign again, we started to evolve it. You know, we look at universities to be people who can support change, right, and again prepare people for the future. We are always thinking about that. And um, when we first went out with the campaign, we didn't want to initially start with student stories because many universities just tell their student stories, right? And there's a lot of great student stories, but no one really starts off with a philosophy. And Ambition Can't Wait in itself is that philosophy that we wanted to make sure that came across. So when we're thinking about that, we, we wanted to go with images in the very, very beginning that were more towards that and broad and, and almost metaphors of what we were trying to say as we applied like of a cause line to it. So when we thought about, um, you know, Joe talks about that, 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 that conversation, as we're looking for images and thinking about, you know, what, what parts of the university we wanted to highlight? You know, we have a, a great school of biomedical engineering, and I went to a, you know, I went to one of our open houses, and I was listening to one of our, our, our faculty speak, and he said he opened up his uh, his presentation with was, we know how Darth Vader was made. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and when I heard that, I was like, wow, like that made me think a lot about that and think about what what the world's becoming and how drugs was going to can can lead in that space. And um, so that we, we, we brought that back to the team and said, well, how do we represent that? Not necessarily a student, but the work that's being taught to our students and preparing them to, to uh, get ready for the future. And uh, we, we looked and we thought about shooting it ourselves. And then we looked at some really, really nice you know, imagery and other things. And we, we found that image. Uh, actually, we didn't find that image. We, we found an image like it. And we said, that's the way we wanted to go, because that's what the work is. You know, that's why people want to learn more about biomedical engineering. Let's support that. Let's focus on the end result of why people go to college, not necessarily the, the rock walls and the, you know, the beautiful campus. Like every school has that and we have our benefits there too. But what is the purpose you know, of going to college? And, and that's to, to hopefully to graduate, to have a job that people can you know, to in, uh, you know, be inspired by what they do. And, and that's why that image in particular came because of that one professor saying, we know how Darth Vader was made, you know, in the year, you know, 2020. So um, that's why we took that approach. And I'll say, Heather, you, you've been there. We've all been there as higher ed marketers. When you get an idea like that. So I remember Craig saying something about what he heard at that open house. There's this great creative spark that happens where, you know, all teams go, like everyone went and started searching for the perfect image and it's you never know quite how you got to that point. I can't even remember how we decided on that image, but I remember vigorously searching between meetings every day for a week. And, you know, when you find the right one, you know, it's the right one. Yes, absolutely. So of, of these different iterations, Joe, what is personally your favorite? My, my favorite actual actual creative ex execution? Yes. Oh man, I, I like so many. Um, I, I do have to say that um, an image that, that I always go back to would be um, a voting image. Um, it is an image of a woman wearing a hijab voting. And the because line is because opportunity can't wait. What I loved most about that image is seeing it in print the, the week before and the week after this past election in New York Times Magazine, to think back to when we were strategizing, when we took the creative in-house for the campaign about what we were trying to do with the brand. And then seeing this a few years later was kind of like one of those aha moments. It was like, that's, this is exactly why we 
set out to do this. Craig, what about you? What what has been your personal favorite? Um, it, it's I, I I hate being that guy to, to to say it this way, but I don't know if I if I do have a favorite because they're also kind of personal to me in terms of, and it sounds so stupid to say it like that, but like, <laughs> you know, we put so much energy into each one. And because there's not like one ad getting one specific message, like they they all have their own unique message, which is again, part of the campaign. Like I agree with what Joe said, but like, I also feel like that with, with all of them, like we, um, Joe mentioned the one that we have about, autism treatments. So we have a whole autism uh, research center at Drexel that I don't know if many people know about. And we were able to tell the story about how we're making a difference in, in that space, which personally affects so many people. And, you know, the runner one obviously is pretty emotional. We we started off our campaign with a rocket. You know, we had a, you know, we have alumni working and, and co-ops, mind you, working on SpaceX. And uh, I, I just think they all, we have a, they're all in their unique way, tell a story about Drexel that I don't, I don't think has been told very well. And I think that's the part that I, I, I did really excited about. And I, I think that we're, we're telling a story of what, why colleges exist. And I, I think that's uh, the part, I think that's a lot of fun to me. So sorry for the cop out answer, but that's just how. That's a, that's <laughs> well, a tough ended, one. You ended so nicely. I was going to make a joke about you being the dad who tells all three of your sons that they're your favorite, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. <laughs> There's there's been so many last year last year's run because uh, we're smack dab in the middle of this year's flight but last year we did 17 different creative executions um, it, it's so hard to pick a favorite have you seen um, data that shows how the community is reacting from this shift from philosophy to uh, student more concrete student features so there's there's a few measures. Since since we're we're dealing with brand and awareness, uh, a big measure that every year is we do have a uh, a brand study. We we partner with Forrester to measure awareness in the markets where we're running. So um, that's our backyard of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia DMA, DC, Washington DC, Northern Virginia, Long Island, Westchester, New York. And this year we added in Central Jersey to North Jersey, that I ninety five corridor there. And we have uh, a few times in since the campaigns launched, uh, put in done a brand study. So on that front, so we're we're aware that 97% of Philadelphians know Drexel. We're aware that 78% of respondents in New York are aware of Drexel. Uh, 79% of respondents in in uh, in DC are aware of Drexel. What we're looking for, Heather, which is a very 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 slow game is to see if we can push the needle forward in those markets. Craig talked about that cliff that we all in higher ed know is coming in 2025 and thereafter. That's why we're doing this. So one thing that I'm pretty stoked about is that you know we're up 7% from our first study to our last study, which happened after our last run last spring in, in um, awareness in DC, for, for instance. We have seen incremental increases in awareness, but we know that's not it. So then we have our, we are looking at website data. Um, that story is a hard story to tell. So we do have a microsite that all digital ads are sending people to, drexel.edu slash ambition can't wait. And we are looking not only for sessions to the microsite, it would be incredibly reductive for us to just say, we wanna see year over year increases. We want to see more new users. We want to see people engaging with the site more. So we're constantly changing the content on the site. If you go to it, you'll see it looks like a news center. Because if we're going to have a rocket, we, we launched this campaign with a rocket. We have to back that up. The rocket ad doesn't really say, you know, this student is working with NASA or this alum was just tapped to, you know, reinvigorate the space program. We had that on the microsite. And we wanted to be able to guide that user journey. So that's um, a very long-winded answer to, to the question because there is no real easy answer. When you're dealing with brand work, people always ask about this. You have to take everything into account. Something else that we look for is we are looking on social to see if what people are saying about us in terms of ambition can't wait. And we're seeing more people share these incredibly inspiring stories being first generation you know, uh, college students who come from immigrant families and how they align with the ethos of, of Drexel University. And uh, 
you have to take that into account too. Yeah, I might can jump in a little bit to um, you know George right about that. It's just it's just a, a the beauty of the campaign to me also is the fact that it's an umbrella message, uh, something that I guess Drexel really hasn't too much of. And what we've done is we've integrated you know the the theme and the concept of MVP can't wait all the way through to a, um, a pretty pretty sophisticated and robust again direct campaign for enrollment. So all those messages and those concepts trickle all the way down to all of those pieces too. Now. Again, it's not the campaign in which we're spending the, the media dollars on. It's not an enrollment campaign, but we do believe that the messaging is is lifting the Juxel brand. I know we've seen gains in quality of students in terms of student applications. And, in, and over the last couple of years, we've seen a volume creep up a little bit too. But the quality is something that I'm pretty proud of is because I believe that we're attracting uh, a, a different kind of student and a student who kind of believes in the philosophy in which we're trying to put out there. Now, again, this is a long game and it's not, to bring in students, it's about to changing the elevation of the Drexel brand. So what Joe said is true. We really are most interested in engagement. We want people to understand what Drexel is and, and what we believe, again, truly is that we are a comprehensive research university and, again, the leader in experiential education. And because of this model that we have here is the pathway to what we believe is uh, the future of education. Tell me about your hopes for the sustainability of Ambition Can't Wait. I feel incredibly lucky that we work for an institution that is making an investment in this kind of work. And as long as we're able, we're going to keep doing this. Um, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Yeah. I, I this is one of my favorite topics. I, 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 I think working in advertising too. Um, and I've had a, you know, a close look at watching campaigns start and end and, and change and evolve uh, through a variety of different types of, uh, of fields. And, um, you know, once we started this campaign, you know, everyone was asking me, when will it end or when do we do the next thing? And and I always come back and I say, State Farm's been an answer, a great neighbor, a good neighbor, right? I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, Craig. Reverse that. Start over again. <laughs> Don't cut this. So, 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 no, so it's true. So people do. They come to you all the time and say, when's the campaign going to end? And and I say that State Farm's been a good neighbor for 100, 100 years or so. It's been so long and because it works for them. And, and that concept and that message speaks to what State Farm is as a brand. And and we believe that this message works for us and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to get across. So I've, I have very little to no desire to to change it, but but I do have a desire to continue to evolve it and make it stronger. And, and just like we're doing now, going from big, broad message to student message and, and to whatever will come next. And, um, you know, we do have a few ideas, not one that we're looking to share, but like, you know, how can we be more engaging with the campaign and make people feel more uh, even prouder to be a Drexel Dragon, but also understand what, you know, what the message is about, you know, higher education and the value of it, which is, as you know, also sometimes in question too. So we, we believe that, uh, again, this campaign is good for us, just like, uh, just like a good neighbor is. <laughs> it does oh, seem highly sustainable. <laughs> I'm going to sing it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not singing. I'm not doing that. I can barely speak. <laughs> So what haven't I asked that you really want our audience to know about Ambition Can't Wait? Anything? A lot of people ask, well, how can we do this? Or how can we start our own campaign and, and build it up? And you know, no one gave us you know, a pile of, of, of money and resources and said, make this happen. We just had an idea. And, and when we had that idea, we, we put it on paper and we made the deck and we showed it to, again, anybody and everybody who would look at it. And said, we, we think there's something here. And because we got people to think about this and understand it, let us try like a little bit and try this a little bit and, and push it forward and continue to push it forward. And, and then once people started believing and buying into it, they, we started to see more resources opening up. And we started seeing more people saying, yeah, this is let's invest in this or let's think about this. And um, again, me and Joe aren't even on the same team. And then think about it, that's kind of complicated too, but in this case, we were able to make it work because the idea was good and we thought it through. And so the one thing I might suggest is that um, for people who do ask, you know, how we're able to get this off the ground is just really think through your value proposition really, really well, and then stay true to it. And I think that's something that we've done here as we, we, we said, it's structural is a, a changing university for a changing world. And uh, we never try to, to, to uh, go off path with that. And, uh, because of that, we've been able to stay on message and people started to believe in it. And I think that's uh, that's the one thing is that we, you don't necessarily have to start with 
all the resources in the world. You just need the good idea and, and, and the, the motivation to, to, to continue it and work at night, work late at night and, and uh, give work on weekends just to, to push it forward. And luckily, we're now in a good position where, you know, every day is a, a joy to come to work. You know, the first thing that I thought, Heather, is that Craig and I, our job is to get up in front of the room and to, to pitch it and to, and to share, you know, progress reports and to put the pin in the suit on, right? But we represent around 30 people on two separate teams who are all doing such incredible work from the web positions we have who are constantly making updates to the site to an SEO analyst, for instance, on my team who you know is doing some great work on that front to so many people on Craig's team from strategists down to, to project managers. These are people who, despite their role, despite their hierarchy, are, are coming up with creative sometimes who are sitting around a table when we're able to do that or on Zoom calls and, you know, ripping new creative apart, trying to make the campaign better. And that collective work from all those people is really special. Um, it's been a professional development opportunity for both of our teams, for people who, you know, historically wouldn't maybe be part of something like this to really dig into a brand campaign like that. And I think that there's something to that. I don't quite know if even Craig and I can quantify the the impact until we're much farther along in, in our years. And you know, for the record, Craig's much older than me, so um, he'll, he'll be older sooner. <laughs> yeah, that's great, Joe. Thanks. Anyway, so, uh, but the other thing, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, the campaign started with a line from Ogilvy, which is one of the, you know, the largest and most successful agencies on the planet. And... Um, you know, what's also I'm immensely grateful for, too, and even though Joe's kind of a pain in the ass, like, <laughs> um, is that uh, that our teams are able to take something that, that started with a, you know, a, a global agency, which is basically at the end of the day is a, a really great line and then really bring it to life and make it work for Drexel. And my only regret right now is that I can't have our teams on the same podcast with us right now because, you know, me and Joe, I'm sure contribute a lot, but um, it's. There's never been a definition of team effort more than, than this campaign and it continues to be, as Joe noted. So uh, we're, we're very lucky to have the team that we do and, the, and the, the ideas that they put forth. Well, I have to say when given an open question that the both of you immediately focused on ideas and team is fantastic um, because I, I do think we all we all know that when you when you get that team that, that works well together and, and that um, has the freedom to transcend their their job title, um, that it makes for a really special environment. So I appreciate that, but again, it's 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 not hard when we work with uh, when everyone's on the on the same mission, and then everybody wants to do the work. So um, we're just uh, again, we're just very lucky in that sense. We've all been finding ways to keep sane in the pandemic, and I know that both of you have found some fun outlets. Craig, tell us about your great pizza quest and your amazing boys, please. <laughs> oh, you mean the uh, the uh, Wyatt 2020 pandemic pizza tour? Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, um, thanks. Yeah. So I am. Um, I, I have three little boys, and they're all, you know they're all under uh, 11. You can imagine, just like everybody else, we're all struggling with you know being home all the time and not being able to get out and do things. So uh, my middle child Wyatt, uh, who I think is going to turn into John Belushi, like he's on that track, um, is a really big fan of pizza. And, um, you know, my wife and I also spent a lot of time in New York and in the city in Philly, just walking around exploring. We couldn't be able to do much of that. So we came with this idea of, of since we're going to be home and we can't really do much, uh, why don't we drive to all some of the best pizza places in the city and, and get takeout and documented on social media? So we went to uh, some of the great pizza places in, uh, in Philadelphia and uh, – Place I've never even been to myself. It was great to explore a lot of the new places, and and he was the uh, he was he was the captain of the uh, of the of, of the plan and the program. So uh, every other every weekend on a Saturday, we would drive to a certain location uh, and uh, and try out a pizza and write a little review about it. And uh, we made this like little stupid thing to do on Instagram, but people seem to really like it. And uh, he's uh, like I said, he's like John Belushi. He's like the funniest kid in the world. And uh, so we're so blessed to have three kids who like to do the things that me and my wife like to do. So. Uh, that was it. And I highly suggest it. It's a, it's a good way to pass the time uh, during uh, during COVID. And the winning pizza was? 
So it was a hard one. I was afraid I was going to get a lot of hate mail from it, but uh, it was uh, uh, circles and squares in uh, in Fishtown is is just something an amazing uh, is an amazing pizza, and I highly highly recommend it. You have to order well in advance because they know they're good uh, and those they're very popular. But uh, that was the winner, according to Wyatt, uh, all of nine years old and making these key decisions. So <laughs> circles and squares uh, in, in Fishtown. Thank you. I'll have to mark it on my list of things to try. So, Joe, you are a very talented musician, and you also had a bit of a project over the pandemic. Can you elaborate for our listeners what you did? Because I certainly loved it. It's nice to know that somebody saw it. (laughs) No. Um, So you're referring to Neil Young, aren't you? I am. Okay. So uh, around a month or so into the pandemic, those were some long days we can all recall it occurred to me that I hadn't picked up a guitar in nearly seven years. And in a previous life, I was in bands and wrote songs and used to cover Neil Young songs. And I had been listening to him again. And it was a Thursday afternoon. I said, I want to learn Don't Let It Bring You Down because I was feeling a little down. And uh, I really enjoyed just teaching myself something new that somehow was something old to me as well. And I recorded it and I did it again the next week and the next week. And I did it for 24 weeks. And each week I had parameters that I would uh, learn a new song that I had not played before the way that Neil played it. So I would watch YouTube videos and get some guitar tabs, figure out his alternate tunings and give myself one day to practice and then record it. And it was a way for me to, uh, do something for me during a time when I just was just working nonstop. And it was really helpful. It got me back playing music and writing songs. And it also was a way for me on my own to address what was going on in the world. So there were certain weeks where I picked the songs purposely because I didn't want to say the things myself. And it was actually quite cathartic. And thanks, Heather, for you were really kind. You wrote some great messages when I was doing my Neil Young experiment. And it's over now and I'm writing the songs again. So. Oh, that's great. It's funny because while I can appreciate that Neil Young is a legend, he's not my personal cup of tea. So let me just say, I enjoyed your covers more than the originals. Oh, thank you. I'll let Neil know that too. Please don't I'm, give any don't more of his feelings. <laughs> don't hurt his feelings. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure he's okay. He's, he's going to be fine. You just gave Joe the biggest head ever, by the way. Thank you for- <laughs> well, now you have something to yell about in your next meeting. <laughs> okay, well, everybody, we're looking forward to more great conversations with higher ed thought leaders in the weeks and months to come. Joe and Craig, where can our listeners find you online? Joe, go first. You can tweet me at Joseph J. Master. And, you know, also I'm on LinkedIn and you can find me there. Craig? Um, yeah, same as well. I'm, I'm certainly on LinkedIn and, and uh, basically all the social sites. You know, when you're marketing to uh, to high school students, you got to kind of know what's going on. I just haven't launched a TikTok yet, and I'm very nervous about that. But I got to say oh, that. Oh, come on. You can do so it. You might see a Dancing Wyatt with Pizza soon on that site coming soon. So I will hit follow so fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And to our listeners, if you'd like to explore our topic further, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at hdotchel.